Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title of this morning's message is, It's Because You Did Not Ask. Okay? It's Because You Did Not Ask. And I know it's a bit of an unusual title, um, but things will become clearer as we go along. I want to speak to you about asking God in the early part of the message. Then we're going to do a turn, and we'll speak about asking in other areas, other things. You will know when that turn comes. You know, there's a lot of things that I have, as it were, meditated on and, and, and prepared to say, but only in the end, uh, only God will know where we end up uh, with our message here this morning. Let's see f- how far we get, but I trust that this message will encourage you today, uh, hopefully enrich your life and possibly even challenge us in a number of areas. So I want to start this morning by reading from, uh, from James, book of James, chapter 4. And in verse 2, and this is where that title comes from, if you like, uh, uh, here is James, uh, the Lord's brother or the, or the Lord's half-brother, uh, saying to the people that he's, he's writing this letter to, he says, you want things, but you do not have them. So you're ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight, you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. Okay, so that's a fairly straight word, isn't it? Uh, James, in his style of speaking and writing, as we see, he's a fairly straight shooter, all right? He does not flower up his words. I quite like it myself. It's sort of a style that kind of suits me. Uh, I don't need nobody to flower up the truth for me. Just give it to me straight. You know, in the old days, uh, <laughs> when we got into things that we shouldn't have got into, and things were watered down or thinned down, said, I don't want it watered down, I want the straight thing, you know, because it's the most potent thing. And so it is with the truth of the word. We need the whole thing unadulterated, we need it not watered down, we need it straight. Okay? So in the New King James Version, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Uh, in the King, Sh- King James Version, it says, you have not because you ask not. Okay, so <laughs> James is really challenging uh, those who are reading his, his letter, um, and it seems that, uh, and he was aware of that, it seems that when they had a need, prayer and asking God was their last option rather than their first option. And I think right there, that's a good thing for us to remind ourselves that Let's look to God first. You know, sometimes we need to take care of other things and do other things, but uh, just looking to God. Ask God. And, and uh, you see, uh, uh, James again says, he says, you simply do not have because you do not ask. And there is an encouragement there in the area of prayer and asking God. And, uh, of course, James, we don't have time to, to move on from there in the next verse, but he says, he says, and when you do ask, he says, you don't get what you're asking for because you ask amiss. And he says that you may consume it upon your own lust. He says you ask the wrong, with the wrong motivation, you ask with, with the wrong deal, he says. And, but, but basically, the summary is you do not have because you do not ask. And I want us to be encouraged this morning that God really wants us to ask. He really wants us to come to, to Him. And see, God is interested in the minute, minutest details of our lives. People say, oh, we only go to God for the big things. No, we go to God for everything. He really wants to hear from you and from me. James, uh, rather, John chapter 16, verse 24 
Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, and of course, he's still speaking to us today uh, through this word, he says, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive. Ask, receive, your joy may be full. All right? And uh, what we need to remind ourselves is that God is not just God, but he's our heavenly father. And father is a family term. And we understand about fathers or mothers for that matter, when they, when they want to do something for their children. Uh, and the children are all delighted. The parents get great pleasure out of that. Because that's what parents want to do. They want to help their children. They're interested in their little lives. They don't want to see them struggle and, 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 or go without. And children, uh, should I say, parents want to do the very best for their children. And our Heavenly Father is able to do the very best for every single one of us. Matthew 7, verse 7. Uh, again, Jesus speaking, he says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. I like that part right there. Everyone who asks, receives. He says, and he who seeks will find, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Can I say, I've done a lot of asking in the last few years. I've done a lot of knocking. I've done a lot of seeking. And, uh, and, and a lot of that is for not so much for things per se, though I have never have any problems to go before God if I need things. Uh, but uh, I'm really asking God for wisdom. God, give me insight. Give me discernment so that I know what's going on. That's probably one of the more important things these days, friends, let me say. Or well, what man, he says, verse 9, is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, Will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is a general encouragement in the area of prayer. We're not getting into the specifics of the different types of prayers. We've done that in other settings at other, other times and so forth. But uh, this is just a general encouragement for us to go to God and to bring our needs to Him. He really wants to answer our prayers. God, in principle, wants to answer our prayers. We don't have to convince God that He should answer our prayers. He's already got an attitude of wanting to answer your prayers. All right? So it really, again, this scripture really affirms that willingness that God has. And once again, that God is interested in the minutest, minutest details of our lives. Just a couple of examples here with the word asking it. Uh, Psalm 2 verse 8. God says, ask of me. And I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Actually, specifically, we need to realize that this is the Father, God the Father, speaking to God the Son. And he's asked me, and I'll give you all the nations. All right. But you see, he's speaking to Christ. But we are the body of Christ. And we can pick that scripture up and because we are the ones that are in the earth. You see, Jesus, the head of the church is in heaven, but we are Christ in the earth, so to speak. We are the church, and we're asking God for the nation. 
We, we consistently pray for the whole nation. We're not just interested in, in our own circle, so to speak, or our own city or our own community. We, we got a burn and a passion for the whole nation. And in fact, our burn and passion goes beyond that. We got, we, got, we got sort of things going on in places beyond our borders because we, we feel that God's given us a burden and a passion for these things. So ask, God says, ask. And we ask and we keep on asking. This is a, an area of intercession. In certain areas, when you ask for something, once you've asked once, you just thank God that it's done. But when it comes to intercession, we, you come to God again and again and again until you see the breakthrough. Um, and here in Zechariah, there's a scripture that we have picked up some years ago and one that we pray again and again and again. Uh, Zechariah 10 verse 1, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. I would like to suggest to you that this is not just speaking about natural rain that they needed at the time in order to be able to grow food, but it's also speaking about the latter rain of the Holy Spirit that wants to come down in these last days. And of course, Hosea chapter 6 verse 3, it tells us about that. It says that God will come to us like the rain, like the former rain and the latter rain. And I'm speaking to some of my friends about this. Uh, I says, what do you see in this scripture here? Because it then goes on to say, it goes on to say, in the first month. And a friend of mine is absolutely convinced. He's a minister of the gospel. He's an apostle uh, in his calling. He's got some insights. He's a, a mature uh, man today. He, sa he, says, uh, he says, I believe that a move of God is coming, that everything is going to be wrapped up in a month. See, God can do more in one month than what we have seen in the last several, you know, last couple of thousand years of church history in terms of the people that are alive today. Was it seven billion, eight, whatever it is right now, to usher in the harvest of souls where God wants to pour out the rain of His Spirit so that suddenly all the seeds that have been sown over the years they're still sitting there dormantly when that moisture gets on it in the natural. You know, you can't grow seed, uh, seed if it's dry, but when the rain gets on it, suddenly there's a germination. And when all of that comes, there will not be enough church buildings in the whole wide world to contain all the people that want to come in and they want to get to the, into the presence of God as we're used to. They want to get to the Word of God. They want to get to the wisdom because there's so much deception, so many lies out there. People are starting to get tired of all the lies. And, of course, beyond that, we're really talking about the most important thing, which is the salvation of souls. Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and still loses his own soul? So we're asking God for the latter rain of the Spirit. We're asking God for the outpouring that He promised. The former rain happened. Uh, this is not part of the teaching per se, but the former rain happened on the day of Pentecost. It began. In the first century, there were outpourings in various places and spaces. Uh, and that was a bit of a dry period and rather a long dry period with pockets of outpourings here. But we're ready now for a worldwide outpouring of the Spirit of God. And when that happens, I'm going to be a part of it. I'll be right in the thick of it. How about you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, I told you we was going to do a turn. I want to do a turn right now. Uh, and we're going to launch out and broaden out that def definition and the practice of asking. Um, 
and uh, speak about some things that have been stirring in my heart for some time. And, uh, you know, we ask for things. When we talk to God, we ask for things. Uh, is it Matthew uh, 11, verse 24? Uh, you know, it says there, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. All right. And then we ask for wisdom. Something that I spoke about in the early part in January, uh, I really felt that that whole area of wisdom was most important for our times. It's always important, but very important for us now. Uh, you see, in James uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any man lacks wisdom, and I'm still lacking wisdom, I still need more. I got a bit, but I need more. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men freely without reproach, and it will be given him. So how many of you are asking God for wisdom regularly? Come on now. Come on now. And, 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 and when we ask, God gives us wisdom. All right. And then we ask God for revelation. We ask God for strength. We ask him for knowledge. We're asking for guidance. We're asking for direction. So a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about, uh, you know, the three words uh, when we pray. When we pray for others, we pray for ourselves. Some of you remember the words. Three words, open, strengthen, and fill. Do you remember that? All right. For those of you that are really diligent with your outlines, um, uh, you, you can go back to that message and get yourself encouraged again. Some of you are a bit slack with your outlines. It's like, you know, like you don't, you, you see, treat the Word of God with, with honor and with respect and consider it precious rather than something to be tossed. I can pick up people in this church that keep every single outline, and they, they go over it, and sometimes they talk to me about it months later. I say, you know, I got that outline here, and when you said this, what was that? And as I say, I'm, I, I'm impressed by now. By now, I'm impressed, okay? So let's impress each other with having high regard for the Word of God. But here it is. We ask questions of one another. And this is really something I want to focus on for the remainder uh, of this message here. We ask questions of one another. I just spent uh, several days uh, up in Northland uh, with a group of some 45, 50 leaders, many of them ministers, some business leaders, uh, some leaders in the community up there, and we traveled. Uh, from place to place and visited historical sites and we had presentations, people that had an understanding of the Christian heritage in our nation, but also specifically in that locality. I had the wonderful privilege of actually finally visiting uh, the site of, uh, of the Marston Cross where Samuel Marston, the first missionary to come to New Zealand, uh, said 1814, he preached the very first sermon on a beach down at uh, what they call Oihi beach, uh, if I remember it correctly, and we had a presentation right there, and I've been wanting to go there for many years, and anyway, I've now been there, and like, wow, what a, what a place. Had the opportunity to get into the Waitangi Dawn service, uh, and again, wanted to do that for many years, well, I had the privilege of being there, and wow, you know, with everything that I've seen, and everything that I've experienced, and my life has been so enriched, and, and, uh, and yet when I met with the leader on the, on the last night, I had an opportunity to get with the leaders there with the leader couple uh, on the on the last night there in fact for the last couple of days actually and I said look I says when you come to Wellington I says I'd like to catch up I says because I've got questions all right for everything that I've heard everything that I've seen I got questions all right so questions 
is a very good thing. It means that if we're asking questions, it means we're still alive. People that have stopped asking questions, they're already half dead. You know, ask questions. Uh, and, uh, and for me, for me, truth is, is kind of, a, in a sense, horizontal rather than stacking things up. And, and for me, when I learn something new, and if that's true, then what I've learned before is also true, or it's not true, because you, you can't have two opposing truths. Okay, and for me, that's very important. I just, I just, I need to be in the truth. I can't be somewhere off in some la-la land. It's only in the truth that God's blessing flows. It's only in the truth that we can be assured that we finally get to heaven. It's only in the truth that we can serve God and make a difference in our generation. So we ask questions from one another. You know what happens is that at times we ask God for wisdom and for direction, and God chooses to speak through us, or to us through another believer, a brother or a sister, if we ask the right questions. It's like that. You know, other believers have knowledge that we don't have, and the right question will draw that knowledge out. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here that kind of bear that out. Uh, Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, he, this, uses, this scripture uses the word counselor. And of course, we know we have people today that are trained counselors. That's actually not what this is talking about per se. It's just having enough people around us that when we have a, a, a decision to make, we have a move to make, we want to be able to bounce it off of somebody, people that can give us the right input to say, well, actually, yeah, that sounds pretty good to us. We, we think that you're on the right track. Or, or hello, I think, you, I think, you know, this is not really, you, you really want to take your time with that and pray about it again. That doesn't sound too good for us. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. All right, so there's that whole deal of having people around us. You see, I get on the phone to some of my friends uh, from around the country. I've got a few key people that I, I'm in touch with regularly. And when I get on the phone, some of them, after five minutes, they want to get away. And I said, no, I've got questions. I've got questions. And half an hour, 35 minutes, some of them I'm able to stretch it out to 40 minutes. Uh, uh, and uh, then they need to go because pastors are busy people. But, but I said, what's God saying to you? What are you hearing? What, what, what is the Spirit saying to you right now? Because I need to know. Key questions. And friend, can I say to you that joining a small group during our 40-day focus, our 40-day campaign that will start in a couple of weeks' time, it is one of the wisest moves that you can make. You know, getting... Joining together with other brothers and sisters and living life in a community of believers, there's great safety in that. Rather than being on the altar somewhere, you know, some of us have uh, loved those uh, National Geographic's sort of documentaries and movies that uh, we've watched and seen and 
And I got one general that I'm following, and boy, they bring in some stuff like, you know, it's just some of it is gory. I can't watch that, you know. But, you know, when the lions get going, uh, and, uh, or the hyenas, or whatever it is, and they are hungry, and they go after something, they never aim for the one that's in the middle of the, of the pack. They always aim for the one that's on the outer edges, so, you know, the one that's struggling a bit on the outer edges. So don't be on the outer edges. It's the most dangerous place. Get into the middle. Get into the thick of things. So, joining a small group, you will join with other believers who have knowledge that you don't have. And conversely, by joining them, you have knowledge that they don't have. Collectively, we have incredible wisdom. And here in Proverbs 18.1, it says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Now, I've seen that over the years when people isolate themselves. And I've seen ministers that were part in the, in the thick of everything that was going on in our city. And next minute, they're on the altar. And next minute, oh, that's not so important. You know, and next minute, whoop, whoops, they're gone. It's not good. Anybody who isolates himself in terms of a Christian uh, who calls himself a true Christian, anyone who isolates himself and tries to go it alone, is absolutely deceived and absolutely in a very dangerous place. You see, Christianity is not lived out in isolation. It's lived out in community and in fellowship with other believers. Because we talk about the five purposes for every believer. We talk about worship. We talk about fellowship. We talk about discipleship. We talk about ministry. We talk about evangelism, outreach, and fellowship is the second one right there. Not necessarily in that order as such, but fellowship is a huge thing. It's very, very important. Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise per person will listen and continue to learn, and an understanding person will gain direction. You know, a wise person asks questions and then listens to others for continued learning. See, one of the values that we have in our house here, uh, we have a value for the whole house, we have values for our staff, for our volunteers, and, 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 and so forth. And one of them is we are continuous learners. We just continue to learn. You know, we are lifelong learners. And people who are wise, that's a, a part of their attitude, whether you, you verbalize it, articulate it, or not. You know, sometimes the wisest thing that we can do is ask questions. And it's sometimes assumed that only ignorant people or fools need to ask for advice or for wisdom, but that is not so. Actually, the fool is actually not interested in advice from anyone or from wisdom. Um, it's only wise people that want to continue to learn. So let's be wise people. Let me read to you. Uh, this is Proverbs 17. And again, Proverbs 17 no flowering up of things. It's just fairly hard-hitting. Here it is. Proverbs 17, 16. Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? The fool doesn't want to know. He's not interested. And in fact, uh, <laughs> the next verse really sums it up. In Proverbs 18, verse 2, he says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. 
The fool wants to do all the talking. He's not interested in listening. All he wants to do is pour out the foolishness out of his own heart, and he gets so delighted in that. He never learns anything because he does all the talking. Because we say to our whole school leaders, don't let one person do all the talking. Don't let that happen. So don't everybody contributing. All right. <laughs> Better move on quickly. Proverbs 23, verse 9. It says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Isn't that punchy? Hey? Don't speak in the hearing of a fool, because he will despise the wisdom of your words. You know, sometimes, this is an interesting thing, people do not ask questions of others because they do not wish to appear silly or ignorant. <laughs> I remember uh, when Vanessa and I came to Wellington and we joined the church there, and uh, there was a man part of that house that, uh, similar age to ourselves, but he'd grown up in church. Um, I did too, but what I learned is I had to unlearn a lot of it. A lot of it I had to unlearn. <laughs> All right. Some of you know what I'm saying. You know, I mean, there's truth in there in the middle, but when truth is mixed with tradition and with rituals and rules and everything else, then in the end it's like it gets very confusing. Anyway, this man had grown up in church, and uh, he was quite knowledgeable. And I got around him, and sometimes he would have a, some be in a place where we have a meal together or so, and I would ask him questions, and I'd, what about this, and what about that? And I remember a couple of times Vanessa said, it was a bit of a silly question. I said, well, it might seem silly to other people, but I really want to know. I really want to know. So in that respect, uh, I think it's good for us to have the humility to ask questions of others, even if it appears a bit of a silly question. You know, it really gets humiliating when you've been a Christian for 35 years and you've got to ask questions of stuff that we should have learned 35 years ago. That's embarrassing. So don't leave it too late. Ask questions sooner rather than later. You see, when we ask questions, we demonstrate that we are teachable people and that we realize that we don't know everything. See, the Proverbs again, and we haven't got time to get into all of these scriptures, but they're all applicable for what we are discussing right now. It says there is a person that is wise in his own eyes. Well, that's a disaster when somebody is wise in their own eyes. It becomes very self-confident rather than having a confidence in the Lord and, and re, you know, with all the wisdom, still retaining a place and occupying a space of humility. Because the Bible tells us that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So there's something about the humility of being able to ask another person a question. You see, asking questions is not the only way to learn, but it is one of the ways and sometimes what we learn needs to be placed and spaced in the right setting. And that's why, as I said, I just traveled with experts in a number of fields and heard their presentations. And, and I mean, some of it uh, wasn't entirely new to me. I've sort of made an effort over the years to understand New Zealand Christian history and so forth and things around the treaty and various other things. But, but, but I, I, still got, I still got questions. And I need to know. So we occupy a place of humility when we ask others for advice, for understanding. You see, certain things are not told unless someone asks. I remember a number of years ago, I traveled back to Europe and 
spending some time with family over there. I still got loads of family over there and siblings and all. And uh, I remember some of them are believers. And uh, I had a, 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 one of my siblings said, look, I'm really keen to you know, catch up and to talk to you about some of the things to do with end times. And, uh, and of course, uh, I'm, I don't know everything about end times, but I know a few things. Um, I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, we can do that. Uh, and I must, I, you know, when I go there in the past, I've usually spent, you know, sufficient time there to make it worth my while to travel that far. And Vanessa has graciously released me uh, to carry on looking after things here while I'm over there and so forth. So anyway, so we come to the last night, you know, there. And next day I'm flying out and, uh, and, uh, and my sibling said to me, says, oh, we haven't talked about the end time thing. Uh, I says, no, we haven't. You didn't ask. It's because you didn't ask. You see, for me personally, certain things I don't tell unless somebody asks. And that doesn't make me any more clever or any more not clever than anybody else. That's just how it works. Certain things are not told unless somebody asks. See, that's the same thing in the house here. There's a certain amount of wisdom and knowledge that I can disperse in this public setting. But beyond that, if you ask me personally, I'll give you a whole lot more things that I cannot say for various reasons that we have touched on over the years. So there's something about asking the right questions of the right people. One of the greatest signs, and we're going to wrap up very shortly, and then we'll call the children and pray for them. See, one of the greatest signs of a young Christian's health is lots of questions. When somebody says the prayer, as it were, and claims to be a Christian, and that they got no questions. I'm always a bit suspicious that the prayer really stick. Was it really prayed from the bottom of their heart? Or was it just a mental exercise because somebody, you know, pushed them into it and, uh, or an emotional thing came on is, you know, are they really born again? Because born again, see, I just visited a newborn grandson in hospital yesterday. My goodness, that little guy is hungry like he is hungry. I mean, physically hungry. Babies are supposed to be hungry. And baby Christians are supposed to be hungry. If they are not hungry, something is not right. See, people who have stopped asking questions have grown old. Not necessarily old in years, but they've grown old in attitude and they've grown rigid in their capacity to increase knowledge. You know, when something, you know, they talk about the old wineskin that you can't put any more in there. It'll, it'll just bust the thing up. It's just grown rigid. But let's remain supple when it comes to our learning capacity and our hunger for more truth, our hunger for wisdom, our hunger for learning about things. You see, when we talk about young Christians or Christians at any stage, I've seen this when people peak. I've seen them peak. Young Christian, hungry, hungry, wants to learn, even goes to Bible college, and then after a while, like, stop asking questions. I've now, it's like in their own mind, I've now arrived. Oh, you haven't arrived. Oh, I tell you. Yeah, there's so much you don't know. And Kenneth Hagin used to sum it up. He says, after 40 years, 50 years of ministry, teaching and preaching the Word, he says, I've learned a few things over the years, but all I realize now is there's so much more to be learned. 
That's a good attitude to have. So we, want, we have a hunger for spiritual truth. We have a hunger for learning about God and about His plan for our lives. We have a hunger to learn and to function in God's kingdom. We have a hunger for strategy. God, give us strategy so we can reach more lost people because we've got a whole nation of unsafe people by the 10, 15% that are born again. So again, people that have uh, you know, stopped asking questions, they've grown old in their own selves, and you can get young people. And by the way, you don't get old until you get past 90. Up to 90, you're not old. Don't use the word old, okay? <laughs> Something bad happens when you say, I'm old, okay? Suddenly you look like an old person, you sound like an old person, you forget like an old person. Don't, don't say old. Say, I'm mature, okay? That's a good word. I'm, I'm just mature, okay? Don't use the word old. So anyone who says that they say, I've got no more questions, they come to the end of their learning journey. Amazing. A couple more scriptures, Proverbs 2, verse 1. My child, listen to what I say and remember what I command you. Listen carefully to wisdom and set your mind on understanding. Cry out for wisdom and beg for understanding. Cry out, beg, say, somebody, please help me. And once again, we cry out to God, and then God sends wisdom to us in the form of a brother or sister speaking about something that we really needed to know. Let me say it again. Wisdom is in God's Word. Wisdom is dispersed through the teaching and the preaching of the Word. But wisdom is in the house collectively. We have collective wisdom here that is just amazing. There's things that you know that the person sitting next to you doesn't know, things that I don't know, and vice versa. We got some very wise people. We got people that would fit the Bible description of, of, an, of, elder, of an elder. We, we don't call them elders for various reasons, but they are elders. And they've been around for a long time, and they're very wise people. And some of you I'm communicating with. I'm getting with you to draw on the wisdom that's in your heart. Because I need to know that. And when something is stirring in my heart, I need a, a, a sounding board to go somewhere and say, what do you think? And have, have you looked at this and so forth? And so there is a, a collective wisdom here that is just incredible. But if you miss church services one after the other and you don't ask questions, you get into a community of believers like you just haven't made a decision to tap into the wisdom that there is. Last scripture, 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. And on this one, we could build a whole new message around this. We might some, some time to come. It speaks there of the various tribes of Israel. And it says, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Their chiefs were 200 and all of their kinsmen were at their command. What we see in the Old Testament in the tribe of Israel or in the tribes of Israel, there were the tribal leaders, the 12 sons of Israel, and then, of course, they perpetuated generation after generation as the population grew. There were different strengths uh, present in the various tribes. Like the tribes of Judah, they were the praisers, <laughs> okay? And the, the tribe of Benjamin, they were the warriors. They were able to teach the others how to war, but the sons of Issachar, they had an insight into the times, and they knew what Israel ought to do. That really stirs my heart. we got sons of Issachar in this house here, people that know and understand the times. They know what's going on 
around us. They know what, what that swiftly that, uh, you know, governments and global leaders tried to pull over us over the last, uh, you know, three years. They know that. But if you don't ask the right question, you'll never be told. All right. So let me encourage you. Don't accept things at face value of what you see and hear around you. Deceptive methods have become so sophisticated that my concern is that the greater portion of the body of Christ when it comes to what's going on is deceived right now. Ask questions. Say, what's going on? What do you know? What do you understand is happening here? And this is, I really, really feel burdened with that. Uh, I feel burdened in the sense that I know things that I need to tell, but it's not popular. And I'm limited in what I can do in this type of setting here. So we organized a couple of special meetings, and I've said this before. Some of you didn't come, and now you've got a problem on your hands because you didn't ask. Ask questions. Swallow your pride and get into a place of humility. We can help each other. Whoa. It's got a bit heavy towards the end. I was going to finish on a light note. I was. I really, I really was. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.